This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. It's episode 30. I do not have a guest, a special guest. Every 10 episodes, I've stated uh, he was on the 10th one, he was on the 20th one. Was supposed to be on the 30th one, but I couldn't wait. I had to get this out for the uh, the listeners out there. How to record this. Um, Austin Hoffman Campbell is not in studio. He is not here. We try to try to make some things work this weekend. Um, couldn't couldn't get it done. So unfortunately, we'll have to wait uh, whenever that guy's schedule opens up. Busy guy. You know, he's a busy guy. The problem, not not the problem with Austin, and and, and you know, he has. Uh, many problems, as as do I, but um, you know it's he's he's going through some stuff. Not obviously not per, like nothing crazy. You know he's bettering himself. He doesn't need to be wasting his time with this. You know this little podcast. But you know he the 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 one thing I, that I love about Austin is, is he'll uh, he tells it like it is, and he's brutally honest. He's a very honest guy, and and, I, and that's very refreshing, and, and I enjoy that. But also, you know, he'll he'll ghost me every once in a while. You know, I didn't I didn't text him a million times this weekend about coming over. We we're gonna do it Saturday. We could have done it Sunday. You know, I, I kind of laid off because you know he's he's in grad school and he's stressed out and he's stress eating his fig newtons or whatever the fuck vegans eat. But um, no, he is not in studio. So you're gonna ride solo with your boy. Um, and then I had a guest lined up for Wednesday as well. He uh, sounds like he's not gonna be a part of it either. So. Looks like you're just you're just stuck with me for for the time being. So uh, so enjoy that. But uh, right at the top of the show, let's go UFC Calgary recap. Really solid card on Calgary. Um, some some good fights on the undercard. Main card I think delivered. Besides maybe the first fight, I went seven and six on my picks. Back to back weeks with seven and six on my picks. I didn't. Um, I gambled the first. I won money on on Dustin Ortiz. I won a little bit of quiche. On Dustin Ortiz, he was an upset pick. He was the underdog pick over uh, Nikolai, uh, or yeah, Nikolai. Um, Dustin Ortiz knocked him out. Um, Dustin Ortiz, I'm telling you, he's he's looking really good lately. I've been super impressed with his skills. Um, yeah, so I, I I made money on that, and then I just kind of flaked. And I don't know if I flaked, but I just like you know what, I'm I'm happy going in because that was that was on the fight pass card I'm, I'm happy going into the main uh the prelims in the main card and the main card was tough to pick i mean the the, the four fights in the main card were, were pretty tough to pick i went two for two on the main card but um we'll jump right into the main event uh eddie and dustin i think uh eddie alvarez dustin Poirier, i think was a fantastic fight i don't think many people thought it would be boring um, both high level 155 pounders, probably the best 155 pounders out there, in my opinion. I mean, Khabib, Connor's floating around there, obviously, and then uh, these two. And it's pretty crazy. Connor knocked out. Um, There's a funny meme going around. You know, Connor had the famous saying to Jeremy St- Stevens, who the fuck's that guy? So he basically mentally KO'd Stevens at a press conference. He physically KO'd Aldo 13 seconds, and he knocked out Poirier and. Uh, Eddie Alvarez and someone did the math it was like you know not obviously not counting Stevens because that was very quick but those three guys that were in the main and co-main event um, he spent a whole total of 10 minutes that's a pretty crazy stat now I know Poirier was a while ago and that was that was at 145 Alvarez 
wasn't that long ago. Alvarez just looked uh, looked confused in there, looked outmatched against Connor. Didn't know exactly knew what he was doing. Uh, didn't really have a game plan to me. That's what it seemed like. But let's talk about this fight. This fight was good. Um, obviously, the controversial elbow is what everyone took away from this. Uh, the first fight ended in fouls. This fight had that weird 12-6 elbow. Mark Goddard stood him up. Uh, uh, Eddie had a, a, a obviously was in kind of like a mount press him against the cage. He was on top. He was in a dominant position. Uh, Mark Henry's getting a lot of flack because Mark Henry's in the corner and Eddie looked over and Mark Henry told him to drop the elbow. Obviously, Mark Henry knows the rules. Mark Henry wasn't telling him to do a t- uh, 12 to 6. He was telling him to maybe do it from the side. Dustin said it didn't hurt. I didn't feel it. Don't, didn't know why the stand-up was happening. I tweeted something out. I thought it was a bad stand-up. Um, I don't really, you know, Mark Goddard to me. Ever since this Connor thing, he's he's been getting kind of the attention with the with the Connor stuff. I just, I mean, the guy takes. And, and there's been some really bad calls. I think. I think he, you know, if you listen to the Anik and Florian podcast a few months ago, one of Ray Longo's guys, um, Maurice Dashavelli, uh was fighting and winning in fight, and that the Ricky Simone at the very end, you know, uh, the the, um, the ref said that. Uh, Dallas Shelley was out. The fight was over. The fight should have went to the judges' scorecards, and and Dallas Dallas Shefeli should have won. Mark Goddard came up and was like, "I know what I'm talking about. He was out. Wasn't even in the fight. Just a guy sitting there ringside." So I've had my problems with Mark Goddard. I, I think he's a, a good ref. I just think he's you know sometimes it's it's kind of a look at me kind of thing. It's how am I going to help my brand type situation. Um, that's just how I feel. I don't know Mark Goddard personally. I mean, he gets on Twitter. He addresses these things. As far as the stand-up, I mean, it, it, he was on the opposite side of, of the elbow, so he couldn't really see where the elbow landed. He just saw the arm go up and the arm come down. It's an illegal blow. I, you know, in hindsight, I guess I don't have too big of an issue with the stand-up. I know a lot of people were like, oh, he was, and then soon after, Dustin caught him with left hand. That's not, you know, Eddie Alvarez got caught with that left hand, you know, not because of the stand-up. He got caught with the left hand because Dustin Poirier caught him with the left hand. You know, with that left hand, would have happened in the second or third round? I, you know, if it went to a third, I don't know. But, you know, you can't blame Goddard from the stand-up. I know I, I kind of did right away. It was my initial gut reaction. But um, but Poirier looked great. You know, I, I, I don't think the stand-up had anything to do with it. I think uh, Eddie kind of had a good game plan this time. He was, he was going to wrestle. And then uh, Mark Henry said today that he had a stinger in his neck, so the wrestling was, wasn't quite there. But he did go for a few takedowns. Poirier seemed relaxed, seemed loose, um, was having fun in there, didn't get hurt with anything, hit Eddie with a big left hand, closed in really well, kind of finished stop. He threw a couple ugly kicks that I I thought were a little unnecessary. I I think he didn't learn a full lesson from the first time they fought. Uh, Poirier, that is, is trying to go and kill Eddie. Eddie was swinging off the fences. Eddie's tough as they come. But uh, Poirier looked really good. I think it's it's about time that... uh, uh, Poirier uh, gets a title shot. I know uh, the, the the big money fight in the UFC. UFC needs a, a big pay per view, and that's obviously Connor Khabib. I can understand why they're going to put that above Dustin, but Dustin, they should tell Dustin, who's very active. You know, if you're if you're uh, if you're if you're ready, stay ready because one of these guys could fall out. You know, Khabib has. Had injury problems. I would see maybe a Poirier Connor rematch. I think Connor would take that in a heartbeat as long as it's for some kind of belt, some kind of strap. Um, I just think Khabib's gonna probably, I mean, Khabib knows. I mean, I don't think anybody can predict injuries, but I hopefully he is training with bubble wrap on because not only is this the biggest fight. 
the UFC has the offer right now, but it's the biggest fight of his career, a huge payday. I know Khabib says he's not long for the sport. He doesn't want to be fighting into his 40s or whatever. You know, he wants to get in, be the best, and then leave. And I think that can happen. But if I was UFC or if I was Dustin, I would, in the back of my head, I'd be staying ready. I know they're, they're targeting uh, sometime in October. And then, you know, Eddie, this was Eddie's last fight in his contract. Uh, I think he needs to... Um, I think he needs to re-sign with the UFC. I think there's nothing for him in Bellator. Uh, I, you know, what are you going to do? Um, he, he's had some legal trouble with Bellator. I know that was the Bjorn Rebney days, but and Scott Coker's running the show now, and, and they're signing a lot of guys. Norman Park just got signed. A bunch of European fighters just got signed. Um, I just don't see there's a ton of competition over there for Eddie. I mean, he could get paid well. He's all about getting paid, but you know, yeah, I don't know. Co-main event, Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens. Jose Aldo looked good. I, I predicted Jose to win. Um, I just think Stevens is he's you know, he's he's been in the game for a long time. He's only 31, 32 years old. He's been fighting since he was 18. He's been he's gonna break all probably break the most fights in the UFC record for sure. And he's only getting better. I just think, you know, he's a big, powerful guy, trains with a great camp, has really involved his game. I just think, you know, there's just that little thing that's just it's separating him and the best. And I don't think Aldo like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh Aldo turn back time. Aldo landed a beautiful left hook. But he wasn't the same Jose before. He looked a little slower to me with the hands. His head movement was pretty good. He got clipped. He got clipped pretty good, and, and, a, and a finish could have happened on the fence for Stevens. Stevens maybe rushed a few shots and then and then realized maybe I should pace myself a little bit. Um, but they were trading jabs a lot. He was standing in the pocket. I mean, they were fighting in a phone booth the whole fight, and he just got caught by Stevens, who's so powerful, and uh, didn't get dropped or anything. Held his composure well, did Aldo, but uh, I thought it was near the end because uh, Stevens is a fucking killer. He is a killer when he smells. He's a shark in the water, man. You smell that blood, he fucking, he comes after you. But um, Aldo, stay composed. That's a championship mentality. And uh, landed a brutal body shot. And then and just Stevens just couldn't recover. I know he kind of protested the stoppage. He hung tough. I've been hit to the body. Obviously not by Jesse Aldo. But, I mean, if I've been hit by a body by a guy half my body weight, right in the liver, by half my body weight, and someone who's not even smelling Jose Aldo, um, and it hurt me, then I can only imagine what the fucking a, a shot of Jose Aldo feels like. Um, crazy body shot. Beautiful, beautiful boxing by Jose. Um, didn't kick a lot. Didn't move a lot. Still has the footwork problem. Still has the head problem. I, I don't know if he is, uh, if he's going to beat the guys like, you know, Brian Ortega. I know he said he was crying. He was very emotional. He said he wanted to work his way back. Don't know if, if, if he actually has that in him or not. Um, I don't know if his skills are, are, are there anymore. But, uh, you know, good win on Jose. I'm glad he won. I'm, you know, he's, he's a big name. He's a talented guy. He's going to go down as top five, top ten best of all time, in, in my opinion. Definitely top three best from WEC days. So uh, good for Jose. And then Joanna fought uh, Tisha Torres. Kind of fight I expected. I picked it. I picked Joanna to win. She got clinched a lot in that first round. Joanna's cardio is insane. Tisha Torres, you know, kind of fancies herself as a striker, but most of the time when she fights a striker, she wrestles, and and, and I think the team knew that. I think uh, Mike Brown had a really good game plan for Joanna. Uh, Joanna looked good. I mean, her things after the fight, she's saying these crazy things, how she's still the best and it's not Rose and she wants a title shot and she's not going up to 125. I mean, that, that concerns me a little bit because I, I feel like she – I know she's a very confident woman and, and you need confidence, obviously, in a sport like fighting. But I also think maybe it's, you know, that's not true. You're you're not the best anymore. Rose is, in fact, the best. So, um, 
for her not to own up to that, that's a little worrisome for me because I won some money on the Rose bet only because of these huge uh, speeches Joanna was doing about how she's the best and it's about her legacy. I'm like, she's she's focusing she's focusing more on herself and, and keep winning as opposed to how badass Rose is. So that's not a good look. And I tweeted out, and I still feel this way, I think Joanna maybe needs to get a different look with a new striking coach. I, I'm not sure if she has hired a new striking coach. I know she's at AT&T. Not sure who she's working with. Don't know if she's bringing guys over from Poland. But I feel like her striking has has plateaued a little bit. I feel like it's kind of predictable. She didn't stay on the outside as much as she should have because she had a big reach over Torres. Um, she kind of collapsed in and, and was happy to clinch. And I think she's great in the clinch. I think she's great in cardio. Her takedown offense is, is pretty stellar. I think she really needs to, to tighten up her boxing and tighten up some of the striking that got her here. Uh, I think she needs to go back to that a little bit. But, uh, again, I don't know if she has, in fact, switched coaches or not. That's just my observation. And then the the kick off the card was kind of a kind of a dud. Alex Hernandez, uh, famous for fake uh, glove touching, but Neil Darius fought uh, OAM Olivier Auburn Mercier. Uh, OEM had the whole gimmick, Canadian gangster. You know, he's a super nice guy. Wears a fanny pack. Had like fake security guards with him during uh, media day, which is actually pretty funny. But you got to show up. I mean, he's not obviously the most exciting fighter there is. Uh, he came off a pretty quick knockout his last fight over Evan Dunham, which is a knee right to the right to the st- stomach that put Dunham down. But OAM is is never like a world beater. Uh, well, I mean, he's talented, but he's never going to be like you know this guy. He's not a Justin Gaethje. Not many people are. But uh, Hernandez, I, I I picked OEM. I got this one wrong because I didn't know what Hernandez brought. You know, he's a, he's a shorter 155er but muscular didn't know how his cardio was trains out of a san antonio which i don't know who he's training with camp wise um obviously has some power but he didn't look great and and he's arrogant as all get out which i don't know if i like yet i don't know if i i don't yeah i don't know if i like the arrogance yet i I don't know um a lot of us he doesn't have much of a personality he's he's his arrogance is coming off it's kind of like stuck up and and I don't know. So I'm like 60-40 hating this guy right now. I want to see him. I mean, OAM, he's already ranked after being knocking out Darius at, at lightweight, and he dominated OAM. He basically did what Mercier does to everybody else. Um, so And he has a pretty well-rounded game. Better, he has good takedowns. He's good striking. So I want to see him against, you know, he's, he's probably going to be top 10 now. Let, let's give him... Let's give him a, a guy who can maybe stop a takedown, and and, and we'll, we'll see some real striking. So that was the main card. The prelim card, I mean, nothing really stood out too much besides Dustin Ortiz, which I touched on, touched on earlier. He knocked out a, a really high, highly talented guy. I think people are sleeping on Dustin Ortiz. I think he's he's really doing some good things now. John McDessie versus Ross Pearson, fight of the night. McDessie looked uh, – I changed my decision right at the last second when I did the podcast last week. I was on Pearson the whole time. I thought Pearson was going to look incredible because he was in camp with Stevens, but he, he actually looked really slow and out of shape, in my opinion. Uh, he might have been coming in with an injury, couldn't do cardio, couldn't do whatever. Looked a little loose, looked a little loose in the ass to me, and uh, just looked slow. McDessie is such a good defensive fighter in, in that awkward style that uh, for sure, fight of the night, it was, he busted Ross up, and Ross came back towards the end of the third round. It was great. And then Hakeem Dawood, um, this guy I didn't know much about. He's a Calgary guy. He fought Austin Arnett, Austin Arnett. Solid little fighter, tough guy. He's lost three in a row now by decision. Mean Hakeem looked really good. His striking looked good. His patience looked good. I love a patient, good striker, and and Hakeem really brought it. Um, I would like to see this guy fight 
again and quickly too. I don't I don't want people to forget his name or to lose the luster on him. Uh, I thought he was real good. And Mean Hakeem, there's a guy I worked with. Uh, his name was Hakeem. I called him Mean Hakeem, and he didn't like that very much. Wasn't a nice guy. Was an asshole. So Mean Hakeem fit with him, but yeah, he didn't appreciate it. But uh, you know, fuck that guy. I'll never talk to him again. So that was Calgary overall. Pretty good card um, on Big Fox. It, I love the pacing of it. It went by pretty quick. I love the earlier starts and, and you know get me get me done by ten o'clock. I don't want these one a.m. stuff. I'm hoping people are banging on. I know they've already said ESPN is gonna kind of do the same thing Fox does, but let's just pace these things better. I know you got to pay the bills. I know you got to run the ads. I get that, but I mean the pacing is just is just some it's pretty rough. But I thought this Fox car did uh, did a really good job. So it's just some news, little breaking news, little little topics of the day. There's not like a ton really to go over because it's Monday. I'm recording this on a Monday. I'll have a little bit more on Wednesday when I, you know, this is a double double podcast week. On Wednesday, I'll be doing my picks for uh, UFC 227 in LA. Um, but yeah, the 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 biggest topic I guess is Conor McGregor had his court case uh, last week, uh, Thursday or Friday, and he um he. He pled it guilty to, to some kind of misdemeanor, I think. So he got basically he got five days community service and then three uh, a couple hours of anger management. And he and he can't be he can't be near Ray Borg or Michael Chiesa. You know, so fucking what? Who cares? He wants to be by those guys anyway. Um, so overall, I, I thought it, I thought it went well. And, and the more and more I think about this, the more I think it's just ridiculous. Connor could buy that bus ten times over and fix it. That's not going to be an issue. They drug his name through the mud. He threw a dolly through a bus to, to get after a guy that he wants to fight. I just think it's it's the more I think about it, the more I think it's such a gangster fucking move. Because if you if you remember, Khabib and his team cornered Connor's guy. You know, Connor's like boy, and Connor flew in from a fucking different country. I was like, nope, that's not going to happen. So that I mean, if you think about it, it's fucking really. I mean, not not many fighters will do that. I know it's kind of stupid, and it, and it sucks that Kiesa got cut up, and Ray Borg got cut up. Especially what happened to uh, you know Ray Borg could use that money with with what happened to his uh, his newborn with the the pregnancy difficulties, which is which is terrible. And um, <clears throat> but yeah, but other than that, I think uh, I think Connor got off pretty well. You know, community service five days. I don't know if that is. I've done community service before. They give me hours. So is that? Five days. I mean, twenty. You got twenty-four hours. You know, times five. That's that's a lot of fucking hours to do. Or is it you just have to donate your time for a couple? You know, five days in a row at like some children's hospital or something, which I'm sure Connor's. Uh, you know, have no has no problem doing. And then Khabib was actually in Calgary. He did a Q and A, and and some of his sound bites made made its way over to the media world. And uh, he said he wants to punish Connor. He doesn't want to finish him. Doesn't want to submit him. He wants to beat him up for five rounds. That's another that's another way of saying I don't know if I can finish him. And then he said he wants to change his face. So he wants to beat him up so bad it changes his face. So this fight, I mean, it, it has legs. It it is it is growing. Connor's now with you know the UFC says they they've kind of waited to negotiate with Connor until this cleared up. This is cleared up. Obviously, Dana, they did a scrum interview, and Dana said that Connor's already dealt with it enough. The UFC's not going to punish him. He's already had a he's already lost a ton of money with paying everybody, and, and I'm sure he's going to get sued by Borg and Kessa. So um Dana basically said, let's make this fight. I think he said October is what they want to make it. 
Um, I, I think that would be great. I think you need to promote now. You need to fucking put a press conference on now. That's the one thing about the Floyd Mayweather fights is, is they promote two months out. Uh, at the courthouse, Errol Hawani was there, and Conor McGregor's manager, Artie Attar, maybe. I'm not really sure his last name. He said that they're in the red zone. They're in the they're in the red zone. They're ready to, to make a deal. They're very, very close. Uh, on the UFC and Conor side, that wasn't pertaining to the Khabib fight. So, obviously, Conor gets paid a lot of money. The UFC is going to have to promote the shit out of this. And it's obviously going to break. I mean, Khabib, Conor is the biggest fight you can do right now. That's going to break over... That's gonna break over a million dollar, a million pay per view buys. It's gonna a lot of money for a lot of pockets, and then we won't see Connor for another three years. He'll make his money. We won't see him for another three years. Isn't that, isn't that a shame? But uh, yeah, so it could be. But other than that, the Q and A was kind of boring. I mean, Khabib, I think is, a, is an interesting guy. He's, I like his. Uh, he's very interesting to follow on um, Instagram because you know a lot of his stuffs in Russian. But he, there's always a one a one little post will comment on a fighter or, or or UFC post, the UFC's page post, and they'll say like you know one little word and it's, it's just it's pretty good. Guy's got a good personality for being you know for having no personality. And then just a little thing I put I put down here a couple couple little tidbits. Uh, Dana White looking for a fight was in Memphis, which is actually you know not coincidental, but you know Jerry the King Lawler's son Brian Christopher who was. When I was watching wrestling, I did the I watched during the Attitude Area. I grew up on it, and the Attitude Area was the last really time I watched wrestling. I haven't watched it really since. So I was a fan of Too Cool, Brian Christopher, Grandmaster Sexa, or whatever they called him. That was Jerry the King Lawler's son. He just died. He was in jail um, from a DUI thing. I know he had some some personal demons in his life, and he and he hung himself, and then. He got and he survived. the 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 people in jail caught him, and 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 he survived that. But he got put on life support. And he lost his life on, I believe, Saturday night, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, maybe. Um, the news broke on Sunday, and the the um looking for a fight came out Sunday, and you know Jerry, they were in Memphis, which is Jerry King Lawler's backyard, and Jerry taught Dana, Matsera, and Den Thomas how to how to wrestle. So, uh, prayers to to um. Jerry Lawler and his family. That sucks losing losing a son. You know you're not supposed to not supposed to die before your your kids do. So that's pretty brutal. Even though he had problems and stuff like that, that you know that sucks. And then, um, but you know the show itself. I think you know it's it's. I have mixed feelings about Dana White looking for a fight because it's very corny. They go. It's like a travel show kind of, but they don't. You know, they. I, I think the editing's weird, and I think Dana might be difficult to film things, and it was. It's just kind of weird all around. I think Matt Sarah. They need to give Matt Sarah a show. I think he's funnier than what people expect. I don't actually don't listen to the podcast. I need to listen to UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and him. Um, I don't listen to it. I don't know how funny he is. I remember his video blogs. I thought he was hilarious. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a really corny show. It, it's shot weird. It's edited weird. I'm not crazy about it. But I watch it because at the end of the episode, after they do all the bullshit they do, they, they always you know go to some local fights and they find a guy. Well, this time they went to Memphis, two local fights, and they found two guys, and that both of them got asked to the contender series. Now, I initially thought this was a good idea. I'm like, okay, so now you're promoting a show within a show. Contender series is hot right now. It's it, you know they need to quit the Ultimate Fighter and do the contender series a couple more weeks out of the year. And um, Dana White looking for a fight. That always you know like that's where Sage Norcutt came from. So now you're kind of taking away looking for a fight as a guy debuting in the UFC, and you're going, well, he was on looking for a fight. Then the contender series in here, so it could add more hype or it could dilute it all together. I think you need 
more than one platform to, to introduce new talent. So like the contender series is a great product that gets new talent into the UFC. A lot of these guys who do really well in the contender series and get their, and get their shot in the UFC, they do really well in the UFC. Sean O'Malley for one, Alex Perez is another one. And then you got um, the looking for a fight guys who haven't really done so well. Cody East, a heavyweight got knocked out, had a whole horrible backstory history, hitting on women or or not hitting on women, but beating on women, like the piece of shit that he is. Um, he's out of the UFC. That was kind of an ugly thing. Sage Northcutt's probably the most famous one. Mickey Gall, another one, uh, all came from looking for a fight. Looking for Yeah, Dana White looking for a fight. Um, I think you just need more streams to get guys in the UFC and more eyeballs. A lot of people like that show looking for a fight. They, re- You know, it's weird. They release it once every fucking 10 months. I know Dana's busy. I know Dean... Din and Matt and everyone, you know, Din Thomas is like the head uh, head coach now at, at American Top Team, at least one of the affiliate schools. Matt Sayer obviously has his own school and family. Dana White runs a fucking the UFC. So it's hard to get these guys together, but I wish, you know, I wish they would uh, maybe like, you know, shoot everything in a month and then just, you know, wheel it, you know, roll them out that way. Um, I don't know. But I don't, I don't, I don't what, what do I know? What do I know about TV? I don't know. I just, I just know I look good on it. Uh, and then the last little thing, uh, this was spoken, this was kind of big news to me cause I've been curious about it. Max Holloway was on Ariel Hawani's show today and I put up with the 10 hour fucking uh, just useless interviews with everyone else to, uh, I, I tuned in to watch, listen to Darren Till. He didn't get it on. He sent a little video on and then, um, the Max Holloway thing, Max said that, uh, he was, he was pretty shocked. Like, you know, everyone thought his career was over and it's not. And, 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 you know, he's working with some smart people to try to figure out what's going on. And he heard the stroke things, which wasn't true. He heard the weight cutting things, which, which right now he thinks wasn't true. And, and he wasn't knocked out. So he doesn't know how he got the concussion. Um, and I know this from personal experience that, you know, I've been to, I've had, you know, not to, you know, not to compare myself to Max Holloway, but I've had some brain issues myself, similar to the same thing as, as I had a, a pretty bad episode, and then I've been to three or four different doctors, and they're still trying to figure out what exactly is going on. Max Holloway's flew, for, he, he went to doctors in Hawaii, flew over to Vegas, UFC, hooked him up with their best doctors, and, um, the, you know, to see what the hell, what the hell's going on. And uh, they don't really know. They they're they're kind of guessing at this point. And then, but Max did say he's feeling better. He's gonna try to fight by the end of the year, and 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 he's not going anywhere. You know, his career's not over. That's what he wants to do. And and it was really assuring the to kind of get the story out there to figure out what was going on. Hopefully, he, they can put him on maybe December card. Give him give him plenty of time to heal. I think he got like a thirty day suspension. Hopefully, in that time, they can some of the doctors can figure out exactly what happened to him. Maybe it was a weight cutting issue. I know they said he hadn't really started his weight yet. Maybe it was just something lingering from whatever. You know, I don't know. It could be. It could be a number of different things. Point is, I'm very happy that Max Holloway is uh, doing better and that he's gonna. He's making a, a return. He's too young, too talented to um, hang him up that early. That that would have been that would have been devastating if if he didn't make uh, if he didn't make his return to the UFC because of how how good he is. So that's all the news. Like I said, it wasn't like a ton. Got a lot off the Ariel show today. Thanks, Ariel Hawani. Um, let's go to hot take. I don't have my hot take sound effect, unfortunately. I know I know a lot of you guys probably tune in and, and like that hot 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 hot. Um, but unfortunately, I don't have I don't have it hooked up because my phone's been going bananas and, and it would mess up the recording. Ah, that's tech stuff. That's tech stuff. But my hot take is Dustin Poirier, who fought this past Saturday. 
His next fight will be Tony Ferguson, and the winner will fight Khabib Connor. right? That's not the biggest hot take in the world. The hot take is that Dustin Poirier is going to beat Tony Ferguson, and he will fight probably Khabib. And not think, I think Connor can beat Khabib, but I think if Connor beats Khabib, Connor's going away for a while, and then they're going to have to do an interim title. And you can't, I mean, Dustin Poirier deserves a shot. He's destroying everybody. Look at his record. He's beating all former champions. He's beating top ranked guys. He's staying active. He's doing everything right. Give this guy a shot. I think he's going to fight Tony Ferguson probably in November or December. I think that's when Tony's looking to come back. I think you give Dustin a little bit of a rest, make him, you know, start his camp in the end of September, get a month and a half, two month rest. Going there against Tony Ferguson, I think he's a perfect matchup for Tony Ferguson. Tony's a wild, crazy son of a bitch. I've seen his workouts he's doing, you know, four months after crazy knee surgery. Uh, I really like that fight, and I think that, you know, that's kind of like one of those title eliminators, too. It's like a little mini tournament. I know the UFC won't say tournament. You know, that that's Bellator's thing, that strikes for, strike force old thing and, and prides, but it's like a mini tournament. I mean, you got Poirier versus Ferguson, which is a fight that makes sense. And then you got Khabib Connor. I know, I know Kevin Lee's looking on the outside, but Kevin Lee could fight. Um, uh, there's a number of other guys. So those that that's those are the four that I'm looking at at at, at lightweight. There's other guys that can come in as well. I mean, Gaethje's still not out of it. A very exciting fighter. He's got a tough fight with Vic. You got James Vic. No one's talking about. He could be in there. You got Kevin Lee. You got a number of guys that can be in there. But the the four I think is going to be Poirier, Ferguson, Khabib Connor. I think Poirier is going to beat Ferguson, and I think Khabib is probably going to lose to Connor. I do. I like Connor in that fight. I'm about 60-40 on that. And but I think Connor's not going to fight Dustin. I think he's going to take his fucking fifty million dollar check and go fuck off for a while. And then a little one little new segment before we get to the uh, top five. I'm excited about this top five. It's a, it's a pretty good one. If I don't uh, if I don't want to toot my horn, but um, should they is the segment segment called you know should they. You gotta say it like that too. Don't be a, don't be a weirdo. Say it like that. Should they? Um, should they? Should the UFC sign resign Eddie Alvarez? This this is obviously a no brainer. Yes, and I am on the side of the yes. But I I just said at the top of the show. I don't think Eddie should go to Bellator. Right? There's no one for for him to fight over in Japan. There's no one to fight over in the Philippines at one championship. You know, the only place for him to go is UFC Bellator. He was, however, he 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 gambled himself. He, this was his last fight in the contract. Most guys get a deal done before their contract's up. Eddie now is a free agent. He's for ninety days. He can take in, he can't take any offers. He can resign with the UFC with those ninety days. But he's a free agent, so he's got three months before he can hear any offers. And and you you do that because you're that's what you want to do. Eddie banked on himself that he was going to win. It was going to be exciting. Eddie, one of the most exciting guys in the world, top five, one fifty five or. Right now in the UFC, hands down. However, he lost to Dustin Poirier, right? He didn't look great. I mean, he, he showed some stuff, but he didn't look great. He got finished. Um, that's his, you know, he's been finished twice now in the UFC, three times, twice now. He's a former champion, so obviously that's going against him or going for him, I'm sorry. But the numbers, the early reports on the Fox card, which I thought was an amazing card. I have no idea why not a lot of people are watching this. I know a lot of people are very, oh, this is very troubling. I'm not super worried about it, but definitely this could affect his negotiation because he might not be a draw. So now the UFC has that, and you, you got to imagine this isn't Lorenzo Fertitta who's going to give you know keep guys around because they fight really hard. This is guys in the entertainment business and Dana White who are trying to save a buck, and they're going to go, well, wait a second, you you can't draw. You're exciting, 
we pay you 250k to show up. You want more? I don't know about that. So should they resign Eddie Alvarez? Yes, because Eddie Alvarez is in fact a very very talented fighter. Top five lightweight, probably the deepest division in the UFC is lightweight. Maybe next to 170, 145 is pretty 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 stacked too. Um, but lightweight is is usually the money division. There's usually some tremendous fights in there. But but you you can't let him go to Bellator. I don't think Eddie wants to go to Bellator, but he has been kind of ruffling some feathers this week. I know it's the UFC is probably not loving that he thinks he's out there saying how much he should get paid and we all should get paid more, which is 100% right. But maybe doing on a public forum with media who like you who jump all over that like a fucking shark with a you know bucket of chum in the water. They, they love that shit. They eat that shit up. Um, that might not that might rub some people the wrong way. Behind closed doors, absolutely. Hey, listen, I I deserve this. I I, I was in a fight of the night. Every time I fight, it's a fight of the night. Um, pay me my fucking money because I'm putting my life on the line. But I don't know if they will. Um, but yeah, that's a good cheer there. I like that segment. I like that segment. I've been trying new things out. It's all about experimenting. It's like college. You know, just just fucking try it. We'll end the show with a top five. This is a good one. Let me stretch it out here. Got some apple juice next to me. Maybe I'll take a little sip. Top five um, teammate fights of all time. So, obviously, it, it, TJ, uh, Cody, teammate fights. They fought before. They're fighting again this Saturday. This is not on the list. It would be on the list. It would be probably number one or number two because I think this rivalry has legs, and, and, and they literally, Team Alpha Male, they're all the same size, so they literally train together. All right, good apple juice. All right, so top five teammate fights. Number five, Tyron Woodley versus Robbie Lawler. This one, if you remember, Tyron Woodley has won the belt from Robbie Lawler, knocked him out in the first round. They, tr- Tyron Woodley trains in St. Louis, and he doesn't, and he goes up to Duke Rufus's for his camps in Milwaukee, but his gym in St. Louis is affiliated with American Top Team. And he's been in Florida before. He's trained in Florida. That's where Robbie Lawler trained. Robbie Lawler still lives in Florida. He moved down there. So uh, I know they've trained before. They talked about how they trained before. They're very cordial during the fight. But Tyron's got his own crew, his own corner, and Robbie had his own. So that's number five. Um, good fight. You know, I was I was shocked that Tyron knocked him out the way he did. But, uh, you know, that was, you know, that's what you got to do. So not direct. I mean, I guess this isn't like a direct teammate thing, but, you know, it kind of is. Number four, you got Donald Cerrone versus Melvin Gillard. This one kind of flew on the radar for a lot of people. Both these guys were pretty highly touted at 155. Melvin, Melvin Gillard still holds the record for most knockouts at, at 155. Um, Donald Cerrone was on a hot streak. Melvin Gillard was, you know, he's kind of up and down, but still a, a, an intense fighter. Both trained at Greg Jackson's. I know Melvin kind of bounced around a lot. Cowboy, I think, has been with Jackson's from day one. So, uh, you know, I, I can't remember who cornered who. If, if Greg did corner Cowboy, I think he probably did. But it was, it, you know, it was an emotional fight for that whole crew, that whole team, because they, they seemed to be getting along. I remember seeing videos of Melvin in the training room and him and Cowboy sparring, and then all of a sudden now they're fighting. It is what it was. Exciting fight. You know, Cowboy got cracked with some hard shots and, and then ended up knocking out Melvin Gillard. But uh, it was a really good fight. Number three, John Jones versus Rashad Evans. Probably one of the most talked about. Maybe maybe number one was talked about, but talked about rivalries. I mean, John uh, Rashad Evans is claiming that 
Wink and, and Greg Jackson took John Jones aside when when John Jones came there and, and basically kicked him out of the camp. I mean, Rashad kind of kind of put Greg Jackson on the map with the Ultimate Fire stuff and and, and going to win a championship and, and whatnot. So I don't know the you know Greg Jackson has admitted that he handled that wrong. So I don't exactly know the the full details, but it took a while for them to fight. Rashad went and and and, and created the Black Zillions, which was no longer exists, but it was a tremendous team for a while there. And then John Jones and him had some bad blood that you know, they didn't like each other. And the reason this isn't higher, the reason this is number two is because uh, my number one is my number one. But my number, th- it's reason it's number three is because the fight was a little one-sided, a little lackluster. John Jones, I remember, stayed on the outside, landed big elbows, hurt Rashad a few times, but you know, ultimately won a five-round decision and um, a little underwhelming. But the, the heat and the build-up to that was, was fantastic. Number two, another... Uh, Greg Jackson, uh, Travis Brown versus Andre Arlovsky. Travis Brown has bounced around camp to camp. He was in Hawaii for a while. He was at Alliance, was at Jackson's for a very long time, and then eventually made his way to uh, Edmond in California. I believe he was training at Edmonds uh, or with Edmond, but hey, he, I think he had just left Jackson's. There's some uh, there's some back and forth going. I don't know exactly the time frame when he left, but I know he, I think he was with Ronda at this point. Andre Arlovsky, again, kind of bounced around a lot, but he was at Jackson's for a while there. Former training partners, there wasn't a ton of heavyweights at Jackson's at the time. These guys trained a lot. They were very courteous. I remember when Travis Brown got knocked out, Andre Arlovsky apologized, and Travis Brown's like, don't apologize to me. I mean, that's what that's what we're here for. That's what we're doing. So tremendous fight. That's why it's number two. Didn't have like a, a ton of heat. There wasn't like, oh, he'd said this, and we would never fight. We had a pact and everything like that. But it's number two because the fight was tremendous. They both hurt each other. It was a really sick fight. If you haven't watched that, I suggest you go watch it. What are you doing? Go watch it. Number one, Chuck and Tito. I mean, I, I, I didn't want to bury the lead. I should have maybe started with Chuck and Tito. But this is the most famous one, and I don't even know how, how well they were teammates. I believe Tito was in the UFC, and he had Chuck come and help him, or Chuck was in the UFC, and... He had Tito help him with wrestling. One way or another, they were they were training partners for a while, and, and they were friendly. Chuck says they were never friends. Tito says they made a pact never to fight. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure they've dicked down the same girl before. I've heard some horror stories about both these guys, and uh, and obviously now they're fighting with Chuck's in his 50s in, in, in however many months. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to watch it. I don't think I can watch it. But the first two fights were tremendous. Were there two fights or three fights? I think there was two. UFC 49 was the first one. Chuck knocked him out in the second round of the cage. And I think UFC 66 was when they fought the second time. And he TKO'd him and knocked him out later later on in the fight. I think it was like fourth or, fifth, or third or fourth round. That's when Chuck was like on fire. Um, UFC 49 was probably one of the sickest knockouts against that cage I've ever seen. It was Chuck just let his hands go. It was insane. But the buildup and the, just the bad blood, this is... This is old school UFC. This was like, you know, something that, you know, true animosity. I mean, these guys did not like each other. I mean, Tito was all about business. Chuck wanted to make money. Chuck was on his way up. Tito didn't want to, you know, Tito wanted to admit he was on his way down. Had tons of neck surgeries, tons of back surgeries. Um, So this fight had some real, real fucking heat on it. And uh, both of them, too. I mean, the first one, Tito got slept uh, with a brutal combination against the cage, and they promoted the hell out of the second fight, which was, uh, I mean, I don't think it, it holds any records in the UFC as, as pay-per-view sells, but just it felt like such a big fight when they were walking out, Tito coming out to fucking Eminem Mosh and Chuck him. I remember 
uh, watching the first one, uh, UFC 49, and, and just watching the packages, and, and then the announcers are like, here we go. This, you know, Rogan and Goldberg, I think maybe even Randy Gator was on commentary. Uh, well, I know he was on commentary, and, and it just had just like a big fight feel. And Tito came out, and he looked like he was ready to cry, and he's coming out to the, he has the Mexican and American flag together with Eminem, you know, Mosh or whatever fucking bullshit song he came out to him, real intense. And then Chuck came out dancing and smiling and goofing in front of the camera. I'm thinking, I'm sitting here at my house and I'm nervous as shit. You know, I'm sitting here, at, you know, sweating like, oh my God, like, you know, how, how could these guys deal with this pressure of, you know, this is the biggest fight of their lives and blah, blah, blah. They don't like each other. How could you lose and walk out, you know? And I was a young man, but I'm just sitting there watching Chuck so relaxed, doing his little jump, smiling, doing little eyes at the camera. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, this dude, I mean, there's no, who's beating this guy? No one would beat Chuck that night. There's no one on the planet that would have beat Chuck that night. He was so on fire. He was so ready for that fight. And uh, one of the most memorable fights, probably not the best fight you've ever seen in your life. It was a crazy, crazy finish. I, I just... I have such fond memories of that. It was crazy. It had to be my number one. And, and the second fight had a lot of heat, too. Chuck was knocking everybody out, and, and Tito Tito had some, a couple wins on it. I think, you know, he got a, you know, he, he he earned it. You know, he he had some wins in there. So I know he had he had the Belfort win out 51, and uh, that, was, that was soon after. And then he had some contract disputes. I don't know. We'll have to go into that. But, yeah, easily, unequivocally number one. So that's it. That's the show. Sorry that uh, Austin Hoffman Campbell isn't here and we can't talk about dick jokes or uh, would you rathers. Hopefully I can get him on um, soon because I love that guy. Uh, I love his inside. I love his uh, his brain, the way he thinks. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going to put one out on Wednesday as well, have full UFC 227 picks. Um, it's gonna, I think I, I've kind of, obviously I know the card, but I'm kind of looking over it and there's a lot of young talent. It's not the biggest name card in the world. I say this a lot, a lot of young talent, but I think there's a lot of money to be made on this. The main event line's moving like crazy. Two days ago or yesterday morning, Cody was the underdog. Now they're pretty much even. I actually think TJ, last time I checked the TJ was a slight under. So, um, stay tuned for that on Wednesday and I'll see you then. All right.